Well, good morning, Nukav. It is so good to see you. Thank you for making time to worship today. And uh, if you are uh, worshiping online, let me give you just a heads up. We're going to close our service with communion. And you'll want to take a minute here to find some bread and some, uh, something to drink that you'll be able to uh, celebrate communion with us. Those in the house, if you didn't pick up communion, there's some right in the middle of the uh, entryway. Feel free to get up and get that. It will be a, a great way for us to close uh, our, our time together. So I've got a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, I'd like for, before I enter into some questions, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, page 1223, page 1223, if you're using the Bible in the seat pockets. If you're not sure where your Bible is at home, please feel free to take one of these. We'd much rather it be useful to you during the week than it just sitting here. So uh, we are happy to have, have you do that. Uh, secondly, let me ask you a few questions here, and you'll identify with some of them. They should, don't, don't let your brain go over, overdrive on this one. Uh, the ones that are applicable will certainly, uh, you'll know that. Number one, what are you facing today that you wouldn't be facing if you were in control? Yep. What are you required to deal with that you really wish you could avoid? Where would you like to take back choices and redo decisions? Oh, if you only had time. Where do you tend to overlook the, oh, look over the fence and wish you had someone else's life? Where do you feel troubled, inadequate, weak, defeated, overwhelmed, alienated, or alone? Where do thoughts of the past tend to flood you with regret or visions of the future make you a bit afraid? couple more to go here. What causes you to wish life were easier or at least more predictable? If you could change a couple of things in your life right now, what would they be? And last of all, where does it feel as if you're on an amusement park ride that you never intended to be on? Yes, thank you, COVID, for that. Now, you may not have been in any of those moments you're thinking, man, how depressing. And if you are one of those that have not had, you couldn't identify with any of those, talk to me afterwards. You're in denial. (laughs) But if in the present time, you may not be in, in one of those situations. But I can tell you, you're seated next to someone Uh, whether in the house or at work or at school, you are seated to someone who is probably going through one of these because life is not simple by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, life between the already and the not yet where we are stuck for right now, it's just difficult. The world and everything in it are not functioning the way God had intended it. And here it is. It's tempting to conclude that life is all about surviving hardship, the hardship, and chaos. And this is what First Peter is so totally against. In fact, it's a book full of hope. And in First Peter 4, verse 12, look what he says about this. He doesn't talk about just surviving. 
Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Hang on to that for just a second. Dear friends, or the word in the Greek is beloved, so it's not just, it's not just, a, uh, just a, a flyover word. He really means this. My dear loved ones, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening. And he says, do not be surprised. In fact, whenever I'm surprised by the challenges of this world, don't be. That's what he's saying. Why, why would you expect anything less? In fact, in the phrase, do not be surprised, it's in the Greek construct that would mean this. Stop and act already in progress. Because our temptation is to, is, is to fall into the thinking, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is happening to me. I can't believe this is going on. When in fact, he goes, why should you be surprised? In fact, he's referring, it, it covers more than just this, but he's referring to the fiery, painful trial that they are going through because they've been faithful to God. They've been faithful to stand up for what is right. But what First Peter talks about is the importance of standing up in a winsome way, not in an angry way, but he's called us, he's left us here for a reason, and we'll get into that in just a moment, but he's called us to be, sta- to be faithful to God, but in such a way that people are drawn to us. One, our trials can be one of the best ways for people to see Christ in us. I don't like that. I'd much rather they just see Jesus in me when I win the lottery. I guess I should learn to play the lottery in order to say that. But it would be so much easier if, if, if people just saw what was going on in the good times. But it's, it's, it's what's going on in the difficult times that we are most effective and God does his greatest work. I don't like that. But it has been true. In fact, John 15, here's what Jesus said in verse 18. If the world hates you, in other words, if they, if they don't like you because of your stance, the way you live your life, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You're in good company. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. Remember, we are separate. We are called out. We are to be different but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And then he goes on and said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. In chapter 16, Jesus goes on to say, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Instead of being surprised about the difficulty, what are we supposed to do? Look at verse 13. He answers it. Instead of being surprised rejoice. In fact, it's in the present tense, meaning be constantly rejoicing. It's a decision you have to make over and over and over again. It's not just a one-time decision. In fact, I find that true. I always have to decide where my focus is going to be and to trust God that God is bigger than whatever I'm facing. So keep on rejoicing. And notice this, that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. You and I, it's a privilege when we stand up for Jesus Christ and people do not always agree with us, it is a privilege for us to be able to point them to Christ, to point a different way, to point a way that is full of life. In fact, the word participate means, to listen to this, to enter into fellowship, to join oneself to an associate, to make oneself a sharer or a partner, and it's with Christ. 
that when difficult times come, when you're in a difficult situation, you are in, you're participating with Christ. You're not alone. In fact, Philippians 3, this is, this is what Paul says so good. I want to know Christ, and I believe everybody in this room wants to know Christ, or you wouldn't be here today. You want to know him. The word know means to know beyond just, hey, I've, I know you intellectually, but to know experientially. I want to know Christ experientially. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And that's typically what I would like to just end, end the sentence at that point. That's what I want to know Jesus in all there is. However, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. That it is an outlook, it is a life that we would choose to, to say, instead of whining, I'm going to, and complaining about life in the difficult times, simply focus on Christ and realize that this is part of living a life committed to Jesus Christ. Uh, if you are a note taker, uh, good for you. If you're not a note taker, you might want to jot down a few of these verses here. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, not if, but when you pass through, and notice it's through, not get stuck in the middle of the, of, of, of the water there. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, not if, when you walk through difficult times, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You are not alone. Jesus, the beauty of this, Jesus doesn't just point the way. He leads the way. This is incredible. He's with you in difficult times. He leads you. He's with you. He is the way through. Uh, here's another one, Isaiah 41.10. So don't fear, for I am with you. Be, do not be dismayed. And the reason Isaiah would even write this in the first place is because they were in a difficult season of life. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been talking about this. So he says, so don't fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Please put up with me for just a moment here. Every time I read that, I think this. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand with one hand tied behind my back. He's that powerful that God comes through for us. The answer is Christ. He is in you. He is with you. He is for you in difficult times. In him, you really have everything you need. You have not been left to yourself. Is that not awesome? Say yes. It is incredible. He's in you. He's with you. He's for you. You have not been left to yourself. When you place your hope, where you, where you place your hope will set the, direc the direction or trajectory of your life. And so Jesus, as Anne Voskamp says, Jesus will either calm the storm or he'll let the storm come and he'll calm his child. He's with you. He's in you. He's for you. You've not been left to yourself. It would take some guts to pray a prayer like this. Lord, you know the unpleasant changes over the last year. Understatement. Unpleasant. 
in every way that my life is different, I choose to take that discomfort, that aspect of my life that I wish would change, and I offer it to you, Lord, as an offering, as a fast. Man, what a, what a gutsy prayer to pray that whatever of the 12 questions we just ran through, however you answer those things, that whatever difficulty that you came through, that you would say, God, you know the unpleasant changes that I'm facing and how much I wish things would change. But instead of whining about it, I'm going to take that discomfort, that aspect of my life that I so wish would change And I'm going to offer it to you, Lord, as an offering, as a fast. If you've not been disrupted, brace yourself. This next question is a major disruptor. It's going to create some dis-ease. What if the unpleasant adjustments to daily life became a vector of breakthrough in our lives? Wow. What if that which you so disdain and have so changed the the, the course of your life, what, what if that became a course to be taken where there's a breakthrough in your life, where you experience the fullness of Jesus Christ? God will use that to shape you, to stretch you, to use you. Warren Wiersbe said this, God is not going to replace suffering with glory. Rather, he will transform suffering into glory. It's about the transformation, the renewing of the life. Let's continue the disruption. What if we didn't have to change anything else in our life except the focus of the hardship? Instead of focus on the lack, what if we give the lack to God and expected Him to move in power? Okay, last disruptive question. What if instead of thinking, I sure miss the way it used to be, how many times have you said that or heard it said? What if instead of thinking, I sure miss the way it used to be, you gave that thought to God and turned the focus away from the lack to the abundant God? You see, impossible is where God starts. And so why wouldn't we as people of God's word where it says nothing is impossible with me that God, Romans 8, 20, God can cause all things to work together for good. He, all, all things, however you filled in the blank on the first set of questions, whatever you are facing, whatever difficulty you're facing, God says I can take all things and, and I can cause all things to work together for good to those whose focus is on me, in other words, who love him and are called according to his purpose, who decide to look away from the lack and look to the abundant God. 
All right, so, so the evil one, Satan doesn't want you to experience this. He does not want you to find peace. He does not want that. What is his, what is his strategy? His strategy is fear. Listen, it, the mark of following God isn't a life without fear. It's a life that chooses faith over fear. Because fear just is part of this life, but it doesn't have to dominate us. That we could put our faith over the fear. I heard it put this way. Fear is always God forgetful. That when those anxiety, the anxiety comes up and all the feeling, all the what ifs of the negative side, all those, you've, you've left out the common, common thread of God. And I'm speaking to myself, I'm just letting you in on my thinking. Look at him. Don't look at them. Don't look at that. Look at him. Look at him. He's in you, he's with you, he's for you. You have not been left to yourself. Look at him. Look at him. Verse 14. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. The word blessed is the word makarios. It was an island like, uh, like Six Flags. It was a joyful place. It was a place of, for, full of fruit and life and joy. And people went to the Makarios Islands. And it was just a great place to be. And he says, if you are insulted because of God, you are blessed. And why? Because the spirit of glory of God rests on you. There is something about the comfort of a jacket when you're cold and shivering, you put it on and oh, it's the Spirit of God who rests on you when you take a stand for Him and live for Him and trust in Him and look at Him. If you suffer, it shouldn't be for stupid things. I'm, I shouldn't have said the S word, sorry. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. If you suffer, it shouldn't be for stupid things as murder or being a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. So he's saying, you're blessed when you live in a right way and people misunderstand you. You're fortunate, you're well off, you're supremely blessed. Tony Evans says, there's no virtue in suffering as a murderer, as a thief. Verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But here it is, but praise God, presidents, keep on praising God that you're able to stand in great company. Interesting, uh, he used the word Christian. Uh, the word Christian is only used three times in the entire New Testament. And this is one of those times, the word Christian, which means little Christ. It was originally a term of derision. Ah, oh, look at the little Christs. Ha. And the Christians followed Jesus and thought, hey, what a great name. Yeah, let's, let's call me little Christ. That's what we're to be in all seasons, little Christs. And we are going to be different. We are going to be different. And why? Here's just one example. 79% of Americans say truth is relative. 79% of Americans say truth is relative. You can believe whatever you want as long as those beliefs don't affect society in a negative way. 35% of Americans believe that truth is objective and absolute. Count New Cove in that 35%. That's why we say, open your Bibles, and what does the Bible have to say? And let's align our lives to what the Bible 
says, life is difficult. So why should we be surprised that there's opposition when it comes to all kinds of social issues? Verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the, ungod- the ungodly or the sinner? In other words, he's saying that God disciplines those whom he loves. And that's when we read scripture and, and, and we come under conviction saying, wow, God, this is so... This is so not true of me, and it needs to be true of me. Or in the middle of worship, as we worship every week, there are so many great lyrics. And those lyrics, many times, are songs that we sing because they're true of us. And other times, I sing those songs as a confession on, it's not true of me, but it needs to be true of me. And so it's a a worship of, of confession. And so God pursues us, and he trims off that which doesn't look Christ like. But but he's concerned about those who don't know him. You'll remember this, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. For just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. You live, you die, you face Jesus. You live, you die, you face Jesus. So also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, he's already done that, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, those who have given their life to Jesus Christ. I heard it put this way, there'll be two questions when you die and stand before, before Jesus in heaven. He's going to say, stand before God, he's going to say, what did you do with Jesus and who did you bring with you? And that's what Peter is saying, that we, what are we going to do with Jesus? Do we follow him? Do we acknowledge him? Do we put our eyes upon him? Do we look at him? Do we look at him? Do we look at him? Or do we put our hope and trust in anything other than him? And Peter says, put your hope in him and then live your life in such a winsome way. First Peter 3.15, live your life in such a way that when people ask for the hope that is within you, that you give hope and you do it with respect and honor of the people. So, if he is desire, if we live, we die, we face judgment, what's, what's left? 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think, about coming back. No, he's being patient. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as an unexpected thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Stated bluntly, our compassion for the lost must be expressed with urgency. Why? Because Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. Look at him. There's no other name under heaven. Given to men by which we must be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Look at verse 19. So, then those who suffer according to God's will 
should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good, continue to look at him, look at him. That we live our lives in such a way that we look at him and we allow him to transform us. And even in our difficult moments that we put our hope and trust him, we look at him and allow him to transform us. So that we can live lives in such a way that people around us are drawn to him. Last week, my friend texted me this. How would you change how you treated others if every interaction had an eternal impact for them and yourself? True. That is so true. How would we, how, how would we change how we treated others? If our interaction, we knew our interaction with them had an eternal impact, we carry the hope that the world needs. So first of all, we need to look at him so that as people around us see Christ in us, that they are drawn to him as well. And remember, he's in you. He's with you. He's for you. You've not been left to yourself. Look at him. I'd like for our worship team to come to the platform, and I'd like for you to uh, uh, get your communion cups ready, and we will receive communion together toward the end of the song. Such powerful words of this song that we're about to look at, listen to. And the call of this song is that we look at him. Not look at our circumstances, not look elsewhere, but we look at him and we join him. It's a privilege for us to be partners with Jesus Christ. He has left us here for such a time as this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have given us the privilege. You have put us in positions of influence and affluence and I pray that you would Help us to leverage uh, the position that you put us in for your glory. Father, for those who are in difficult seasons, God, may they look at you and realize that you suffered. And but yet you said, not my will, but your will be done. And thank you, Father, that you chose to be obedient even to death, so that you could be raised from the dead and give us hope. God, may, may we look at you, praise in Jesus' name.